Let's turn to the Word of God then, turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. We will be looking at a lot more scriptures, but just for our opening reading. Matthew chapter 24, verse 23. The Lord Jesus is the speaker, he says. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We'll stop there. We know the Lord will add the blessing to the reading of his own word again in public. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are good. And you're good unto your people. Even as the psalmist said, truly God is good to Israel. Lord, you're good to us. You're good to us, Lord, and you're full of grace and truth. And we thank you this evening, Lord, that we can gather under this roof in freedom and in liberty. Lord, to hear your word, to praise your name and to worship you. And we ask you now, Father, that you would take all that is said and Lord, all that is expounded from thy word, and, it, and Lord, may it find a lodging place in our hearts. Lord, may the people here and the people who hear this word know the days in which they are living in, the last of the last days, the days before the coming of the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to settle us in your presence Take any opposing spirit, any distracting thought from our minds and help us to focus on the word of God and on the Lord Jesus Christ. Draw men and women strangely by whatever means you do it, Lord. However, Lord, we know not how the spirit moves convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the word, creating faith in him. We pray, Lord, that Maybe someone tonight will come to saving faith and bow to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Knowing the days in which we live in, part six. Again, we start with asking a question. Do you know, do you realize the days in which you are living in? Do you realize the days in which the world is living in. The days are the days which are coming up to the close of this age when the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ will be ushered in and his kingdom will come to all its full potential on planet earth. We're looking, we're watching, and we're waiting for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Know the days in which we are living in over the last 
five weeks previous to this message, we have looked at different aspects of where we are today in the year 2012, going into 2013. And knowing the days in which we live in is to awaken us, to awaken you, to awaken those around our area, to awaken Great Britain and the United States, to awaken us, all who would hear, even around the world, knowing the days in which we are living. We looked last week at the little horn in Daniel chapter 7. Sorry, I can't go through it all again, but I will give you a brief synopsis of where we are at this point. In Daniel chapter 7, we're told of what's known as the little horn of the West in Bible prophecy. And it is manifest in Rome, it is manifest in the Vatican, it is manifest in the papacy. It is manifest of that great whore in the book of Revelation that sitteth upon seven hills and has fornication with the kings of the earth. And that is the church of Rome. We have looked at the little horn of the West in Daniel chapter 7. And we looked also at the, uh, the horn or the little horn of the East in Daniel chapter 8. Turn with me if you have your Bible with you please to Daniel chapter 8 please. Daniel, if you remember, we have told you the book of Daniel is shut up. It is sealed. It is closed. But the book of Revelation is the opening. It's the revealing of what has been prophesied in the book of Daniel. So when you get the revelation, it is open. The Lord Jesus says that the things must shortly come to pass. Not 2,000, 3,000 years or whatever in the future but shortly come to pass, he says it to John, on the isle which is called Patmos around AD 80 to AD 90. Now notice what Daniel chapter 8 says, and notice how precise it is in Bible prophecy. Let your eye run down to verse eight, or chapter 8 and verse 9. And it says, And out of one of them, I'll explain this in a minute, came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Toward the south, notice, toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Now we showed you this last week. If you remember in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Head of gold, this figure has a head of gold. His chest and arms are of silver. His belly and his thighs are of brass. His legs are of iron and it runs down, the iron runs down into his feet and his feet are made of iron and of clay. Daniel says at the interpretation of the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, thou art this head of gold. So the Babylonian kingdom was represented as the head of gold. The next kingdom in time which would conquer and take over Babylon would be the Medes and the Persians, the silver of the man. And then there would be the brass, which would be the next kingdom after that, which would be Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire. Then after that would be the legs of iron, which would be the Roman Empire, that is the Caesars of Rome, the pagan Roman Empire, running down out of the pagan Roman Empire, and Daniel 7 comes a little horn, which is the papacy of the Roman Empire. 
The ten toes, notice ten toes off the feet. They are made of iron and clay. They will not mingle. They will not mix together. And you can see that today, which runs right into the European Union. It runs right into Strasbourg. And you go, you can see there where the people are fighting and arguing and bickering. They'll never come together. Their nationalities are different. They'll never come together. But Rome is trying to gather them together. And if they can get a spiritual bond with the world between all faiths and all religions, then they would have the one man at the top and they would be ruling and reigning. That is the goal. That is the little horn in Daniel chapter 7. Now, we have a little diagram, Denise, please. I know people on CD can't see this, but... There's nothing sorry I could do about that. We have a diagram should come up hopefully off this man of the head of gold of Daniel chapter 2. That is the, the Babylonian kingdom. Now you have the next one. You have silver. The bronze kingdom is Alexander the Great. Now that's in Daniel 2. In Daniel chapter 7, God gives Daniel a dream and there are four beasts. And the four beasts represent the four empires that you see here. And the four beasts are the winged lion at the top, which would be the head of gold. Then there is a bear which is lopsided with three ribs in his mouth. And that represents the lopsidedness, represents the government, the coalition government of the Medes and the Persians. And then you have a four-headed leopard. The four-headed leopard represents the four generals, if you want, who take over the kingdom of Greece after Alexander the Great dies. Now notice the four names of the four generals I've given them to you. Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. They broke up the Grecian Empire. Now notice how the Lord says this before it all happens. Why are you telling me about a Babylonian empire, a Medo-Persian empire, a Greek empire, and a, and a Roman empire? Sure, it's all 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Why do I need to know it? This proves to you that your Bible, the Word of God, is 100% divinely inspired. There's no other book from any other faith can produce these sort of things. That's why it's all of him. Here we have a book that tells us the truth, spanned over thousands of years. And yet, when it comes to your salvation, this book tells us that you must be born again. And that's the truth. This book tells us that Christ is returning. And that's the truth. This book tells us and shows us that what it says, there is a saved and there is a lost, and you must be in one camp. Which one is it? It's the truth. Now notice this is before, it is foretold, prophesied, before these kingdoms come. The brass is Alexander the Great, the Grecian Empire. And then when you go to the four beasts, the, four, the third beast down would be the brass, the four-headed leopard, the four, uh, the four generals who took over from that. 
And then, of course, we had the beast with the ten horns representing Rome. And Daniel gets so interested in the fourth beast because he can recognize a leopard, a bear, and a lion. But he can't recognize this beast. That's why it's mystery Babylon the Great. It's all wrapped up and hidden. No one can see it. And Jesus says in these systems, they are anti-Christ systems. He says you won't even know it. And many of the elect will be drawn to worship it. Be careful. Be very careful in what you hear and in what you follow. Keep Christ before you. At all times. Here we have this beast with ten horns, and a little horn comes up representing again the papacy. When we go into Daniel chapter 8, we go from this brass kingdom to the four headed leopard, and it's the same kingdom, only God shows it as ravenous beasts. Then we go from there into Daniel chapter 8 and we see we have coming from the east to the west a two-horned goat or ram with one horn higher than the other representing the Medo-Persians or the bear that is lopsided. All the same but just different pictures. It's coming to the east or from the east to the west. Then you see a horn or a goat with a notable horn. A large horn from the forehead coming from the west to the east. They clash. The goat overtakes the ram. And that is Alexander the Great's kingdom. So you see how God is showing us this in prophecy. Notice what it says in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 8. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great. And when when, when he was strong, notice the great horn was broken. The great horn was broken. And for it came up, Four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. The great horn that's broken off from the goat is the death of Alexander the Great. The four notable ones are the four heads or the four generals. Notice these four notable horns that come up. It says then one horn comes out of it. Let's read here in verse 9. And out of one of them came forth a little horn which waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Now these four generals break up this kingdom between them. And the Seleucid kingdom, they come southward. Ptolemy goes to Egypt, but down towards uh, Saudi Arabia, and then across east, right as far almost as India, where Alexander the Great went to. And what goes heads the whole way to east, And that general solution, he turns again and he comes right back into Jerusalem and into the promised land. When he comes there, he takes over all the peoples that live there. The Hashemite people are living there. Different Arabic people who come from the line of Ishmael. Ishmael is the son of Abraham and Hagar the Egyptian. So here we have this kingdom, but there's a little horn that comes out of it. Now, what is this little horn? It's called or known as, in prophetic terms, the little horn of the east. This is a, a different little horn. Notice, the little horn goes south first and from there to the east. In Mecca comes another antichrist system called Islam. I'm going to show you more of this. Stay with me. Called Islam. 
In fact, Revelation chapter 16 calls it the false prophet. It's Muhammad and his false religion of Islam. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 17. Now when we looked last week, we showed you Antiochus Epiphanes was a man who was raised up at this sort of time uh, 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 around 150, 170 years before the coming of Christ. Round when you have the end of the Old Testament, beginning of the New, in that period known as the Maccabean period. And some say, there he is, that's the notable horn. But friend, notice what Daniel 8 and 17 says. It says at the end of verse 17, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Notice the time of the end. When is the time of the end? We have said it every week. We're on this. It is the last days. It is after Pentecost. The death, the burial, the resurrection, ascension, and the pouring out of the Holy Ghost is the end days or the last days. These last days God has poured out his spirit, said Peter. So the last days started at the day of Pentecost. So how close are we tonight, knowing the days we live in, how close are we tonight until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? We are living at the time of the end. It's not the end of time here. It's the time of the end. Somewhere from Pentecost to the second coming of Christ would rise up this vision of this little horn from the notable ones. Let me go on. The book of Daniel, as I said, is sealed. The book of Revelation is revealed or it is opened. The Lord Jesus in our reading says, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert. Notice, behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. Now, we dealt with the secret chambers last week. But now we're going to deal with, Behold, he is in the desert. Go not forth. Turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. We will be staying here and around this area for quite some time this evening. Revelation chapter 9, beginning to read at verse 1. Notice this. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reasons of the smoke of the pit. Now notice this. Here John in Revelation, or on the Isle of Patmos, has a revelation given given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he sees a star that has fallen from heaven to earth. And it says, he, the star, not it. Notice that. Notice that. It's he, not it. So it's a person. A personality that has fallen from heaven to earth to the bottomless pit. Chapter 9, verse 1. I saw a star from from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. The fallen star from heaven, who... Or what is he? Who or what is he? Well, follow me please to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, 
O Lucifer. Now take note of this. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which thou didst waken the nations? Now take note. Lucifer falling from heaven to earth, and he wakens the nations. Very, very important. He wakens the nations. Here are the five wills of Lucifer. And you can see these manifest. You can see these being, being, being shouted out, as it were, by certain people and certain religions. Look at this. For verse nine, 13, sorry. Thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. There are five I wills of Lucifer here. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. The five I wills of Lucifer. Christ in John's gospel has seven I ams. Here is the five I wills of Lucifer. I will ascend. I will be like the most high God. Keep that in your mind for time willing. I want to show you something about that. People claiming to be God on earth. I am the Father, the Holy Father. Stay with me. So here we have Isaiah telling us in verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? In Luke chapter 10, And verse 18, the Lord Jesus himself said, and he tells his disciples, listen to this. He says, I beheld Satan. Notice, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. In Revelation chapter 12, if you'll turn with me. We have read this quite a bit. Revelation chapter 12. And just for time's sake, let your eye run down, please, to verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That is out of heaven. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Notice he deceives the nations. Here he deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels. Notice his Angels, his fallen demonic angels, were cast out with him. So what is in planet earth tonight? Satanic forces. Satanic forces. And by the way, before I go any further, it's not just in the Vatican. And it's not just down in in Mecca. It's in our government. It's in Westminster. It's in Washington, D.C. These satanic forces are blinding people's eyes from coming to Christ. The God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Paul said, God of this world or this system of things 
is the one who has fallen from heaven to earth. Revelation 16, please. Revelation 16. It's like a Bible study tonight, isn't it? Revelation 16. And as your eye run down to verse, well, we'll go to verse 13 for time's sake. And I saw three unclean spirits. Here is Satan's unclean spirits. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth into, notice, the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. What is Satan let loose here for? He starts up these false religions. They clash one against another, even though the same demonic forces are behind it. Listen, Satan doesn't care if one kills another. He's here to destroy. He's here to destroy you and your life. The dragon, we've looked at it also. It's communism. Marxism. Zionism. The beast is the European Union and the papacy. And of course, the financial side of Babylonian money, that usury goes across the whole world. And we're living in it every time you use your credit card. Every time you buy something on tech or in HP, all of the usury or the interest that we pay to the banks, that's why the banking collapse came, because of the greed of the usury. Here we have the beast and the false prophet. We'll look at him a little further as the evening goes on. The false prophet is the teaching or the sayings of Muhammad. Now I notice we have talked about Antichrist. All we hear is a one-man Antichrist, a one-man Antichrist. He'll come in the future and the, the church will be, will of the west, took away, nobody knows. And, and we'll be up there and there'll be a, 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 a treaty made with the Jews and after uh, three and a half, half years, he'll break the treaty and there'll be, there'll be a great tribulation and This man's going to be sitting there and he's going to be sitting himself and all this sort of stuff. Listen, Antichrist is not a man per se himself. The definite article, the, is not in Scripture. The man of sin is there. He's part of it. Antichrist is the spirit. But he manifests in these two horns. And he manifests in these three Systems, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Now note this. Antichrist can mean in open rebellion against, opposing. Antichrist, anti can mean uh, in the place of, to take the place of something. And anti can also mean not just opposition, not just in the place of, but it can also mean those who do not believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. If any man comes, or any woman comes and tells you that Jesus is not fully God in flesh, that is the spirit of Antichrist. 
Anything that swaps Christ for another system of worship is antichrist. Anyone who is in opposition and openly opposition against Christ is the spirit of antichrist. Even as John says, now there are many antichrist. And you don't hear that, so you don't. You hear about all different stuff all the time. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, not what Tim LaHaye's books say. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Listen to this. The spirit of Antichrist is in Islam. They deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They say he was a prophet. They revere him to some degree. Even believe he may come back again. But notice this. They deny his deity. That's the spirit of Antichrist. I know this. The five pillars of Islam. This is what their foundational pillars are. Prayer. Nothing wrong with that. But it's who you pray to. Almsgiving. Nothing wrong with that. But it's whom you do it for. Fasting. Nothing wrong with that. But it's the motive on whom you're trying to draw next to. And pilgrimage to Mecca. You have to do that for to be going to an Islamic heaven. The basic statement of faith of Islam is, there is no God but Allah. Notice, and Muhammad, his prophet. That's Antichrist. That's the spirit of Antichrist. These are are in contrast to what the Bible taught us, which the reformers when they searched the scriptures, came out of that other Antichrist system of Rome. These are, in contrast, the five pillars of Islam to the five solas of scripture. Sola scriptura, by scripture alone. Sola fide, by faith alone. Sola gratia, by grace alone. Solus Christos, by Christ alone, or through Christ alone. Sole Deo Gloria. Glory to God alone. Notice the difference. Now they say they revere the Bible, the Old Testament. The Quran denies, notice the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. They deny that he died on the cross of Calvary. They believe he even was mysteriously ascended into heaven and carried away. But he never died on the cross. No. Some say, many of them will tell you that Jesus was replaced by another man on the cross. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Replacing Christ as the spirit of Antichrist. In fact, many of them will tell you it was Judas Iscariot that died. Many will say that Judas Iscariot was nailed in his place. When really it was Christ who took mine and took yours. Judas Iscariot, what? The son of perdition, the one destined for destruction. Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of the Lord Jesus. Judas Iscariot, the braggart. Judas Iscariot. He who went and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. The price of a common slave. And he gave away Christ 
Would you sell Christ for something else? They are replacing the word of God. They are replacing, replacing the work of Christ on the cross. And they replace the worth of Christ on the cross. No cross, then there's no death of Christ. No blood atonement. No spotless lamb. No righteousness. No forgiveness of sin. No cleansing. No grace. There's no tomb. No resurrection. No justification. No salvation. No hope. Without Christ on the cross. You see now why they say Christ didn't die on the cross? That was Judas. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says in Mark 9 and 31. He says himself regarding himself. And notice what he says. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men. Notice, and they shall kill him. So if you revere Jesus, does that mean then that he's a liar? Is he a deceiver and he didn't go to the cross? Of course he's not. He's the impeccable son of the living God. Jesus said himself about himself, the son of man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And after he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Glory to his name. Maybe you could shout amen. He's risen from the dead. The resurrection. Everything that we are and have in God depends on the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take it away. And we're all in our sin. We're all men most miserable. And we will die in our sin. Be lost, separated from God for all of eternity. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.22, listen to what Paul says. The Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. In other words, he's saying they can look for a champion and they can look for wisdom, but to us, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it to you, friend? What does he mean to you? Notice the spirit of Antichrist like Romanism. The papal word is put over the final authority of God's word. In other words, if the Bible says it, the papacy say they can override the word of God. Check me up on it. Like in Judaism, the Babylonian Talmud overrides the Old Testament scriptures, and of course the New Testament just doesn't exist. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And here the Quran, it overtakes the final authority of God's word. Like Romanism, salvation is by faith and works. Like Judaism, salvation is by keeping 613 commandments. Jesus says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But those are they which testify of me. 
That's what Christ said. Of an eternal life and 613 commandments, should you be able to keep them? He says, they speak of me. It's all about him. Do you see all we have? It's all about him. In Islam, the religion of faith and works and pilgrimage, all of our faiths of the, of the earth says, do, 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 do this, do that, do the other. But the Lord Jesus Christ, hanging on the cross, bleeding and dying in agony, Christ, it is finished. It's all done. Saved by grace alone. This is all my plea, that Jesus died for all mankind. And Jesus died for me. He died for you, friend. He died for you. Revelation 9. This chapter tells us of what happens due to the fall of the star out of heaven, that is Lucifer. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. See the bottomless pit? It's the word abyss. Basically it means the, the home of the evil spirits. The key is the symbol of the little horn of the west. Peter's keys, they call it, the keys of the papacy. But we're told that those keys are not the keys of Peter. They are the keys of the bottomless pit, for they are from the little horn. You think about this. The keys also symbolize Islam. How do we work that out? Listen to what it says in the Quran. I'm quoting the Quran. This is not me. Did not God give to his legate, speaking of Muhammad, the power of heaven which is above and the fire which is beneath, the key? Did he not give him the title and power of a porter that he may open to those whom he has chosen? The keys have been the emblem of Muhammad's family in the role of guardians in the black stone at Mecca called the Kaaba. Now the Kaaba, you'll see them. You know where this is meant to have come from, where they believe? They believe Adam and Eve built this. There's a stone in here, and they're a protectorate. That's why they make the pilgrimage. Here is the little horn coming out. Look at them, the millions of them. Believing that Adam and Eve built it. Some would even dirty argue that it was Abraham and Ishmael. Muhammad, his family, were the protector of this. Their sign was the key because they had the keys of protectorate. The Moorish followers of Islam also on their banners rode with great emblematic keys upon them. Revelation 9 and verse 2 will tell us more. Muhammad was born in 570 AD in Mecca and he died, his mother died rather, when he was six years old and he was reared by his uncle. So he went traveling with his uncle to Syria, Damascus, Aleppo, and then to Jerusalem. And on his travels, he picked up many ideas from many religions, especially Judaism, especially from the Jews. Muhammad went to a cave. He married a woman when he was 25. She was 15 years older than him. She was sort of his employer. But he went to a cave, and he was there for six months in a cave. And he was meditating for six months. 
This is, this is the run up into Islam. He was meditating for six months and he says that Gabriel the angel came to him and showed him revelations and visions that he, Muhammad, is the last prophet of God. He takes the place of Christ. Antichrist. A new religion called Islam then rares comes out like a little horn from the area of the Seleucid kingdom. Remember the four generals? Seleucus, the horn, and the little horn out. This is the spring out. Revelation chapter 9, verse 2, please. Revelation 9 and verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened, by reasons of smoke of the pit. Now we could go verse by verse by verse and line by line. I haven't time to do that. Time is actually flowing. I want to just try and round this up. See the smoke out of the pit. Speaks of the visions of his revelations. Paul talks about people who have their minds clouded or misted up with a smoke. Here was a man with his mind misted up with a smoke from the bottomless pit. And so we're told then, let's read on in verse 3. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, and the scorpions of the earth have power. See the locusts and the scorpions. You go to, uh, when you get home, read Exodus chapter 10. And later in the chapter 10, it talks about uh, locusts coming, the actual locusts. And it says they're in Egypt. And when Israel are in Egypt, one of the plagues is locusts. And we're told they come from the east. From Saudi Arabia. They come to Devar. And here John sees it in a vision. And he says there's so many of them. They're like locusts coming from the east. Come to Devar. Islam means submission. Come to make submission. These visions that... He had in the cave. And verse 11 tells us where they were from. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his name is Apollyon. See the word here in the Greek, Apollyon. Abaddon in the Hebrew is the same meaning. The word Apollyon here in the Greek means destroyer. Destroyer. And the word Apollyon, get the word in your head, Apollyon, destroyer. Jesus says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. See the word destroy? It's the word Apollome. Apollyon, Apollome. In other words, John shows us here who he is. He is the devil or Satan himself. Read Strong's on it. Strong's Greek will tell you, Apollome, the destroyer, is Satan who fell from heaven. And here Jesus says, the one who fell, he wants to seek, kill, and destroy. Apollome is what he does. Apollyon is who he is. Apollome is what he does. He destroys. Jesus says, a thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Notice, I am come. That they may have life, may have it more abundantly. A 
That's why Christ came. That's why we believe he died on the cross for our redemption. Can I have another five minutes? Is that all right? Put your hand up if you give me ten minutes. Okay. Majority rules. <laughs> Bless his name. These visions in the cave from the bottomless pit given unto him in 622 AD. 622 AD. Muhammad comes with this newfound faith and he gives it to his people. Now they weren't Islamic. They were stargazers. They were, they, they were pagan. But he gives us new religion saying he's the last prophet of God. Saying that he's even the God of Abraham, who is Yahweh, not Allah. They chase him out. And he goes to a place called Yathrib. Yathrib later becomes known as Medina. And there he gathers strength, comes back, and he conquers Mecca. Submission. From 622 AD is when the Islamic calendar starts. The running away of 622 AD or the fleeing of Muhammad is known as the Hegira. And that's what you call the Islamic calendar, the Hegira calendar. There's wonderful prophecies and numbers about this. I'll, I'll have to do it some other time. But here's a little side note here for us as we go in to the close. When we are reading this, and we read of the spread of the Islamic faith. We also read in areas of prophecy of the decline. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 12 says, Blessed is he that cometh to the year 1,305 and 30 deaths. That is 1,335 days rather. And what does that mean? It's a day for a year. Well, the 1,335 years from the Hagira calendar brings us to the year 1917. What happened in 1917? The Turkish Ottoman Empire were cast out of Jerusalem by the British forces and the Commonwealth, the nation and the company of nations prophesied of. Ephraim goes walking through the gate. General Allenby liberates Jerusalem without a shot being fired and the bomb being dropped. In 1917, the Turkish Ottoman Empire shrinks and the caliphate is done away with. By 1924, all you have today is, what we have today is Turkey. God's word is fantastic. What was the year? There was a, a, an Egyptian coin struck up. One side is 1917 and on the other it says... The Hagira year, 1335. Isn't that not tremendous? Bible prophecy to its T. What years of conquest in Arabia, Middle East, and Africa could not achieve? They could not achieve in Western Europe, Britain, and Scandinavia. And what they, what they could not achieve through fighting and through war and through the sword... In the year 2012, they are achieving it through immigration and multiculturalism. 
home-born Islamic terrorists in Britain, in the United States. I'm going to say something might offend people. I'd wrap them up and throw them out. There are 727,174,531,000 people living in Europe. I don't know how they got the one, but there you are. Out of Europe alone, this is not in Arabia now. In Europe alone, there are, are you ready, 50 million Muslims. 50 million in Europe. Think about that. That's like having over 10, maybe 11 populations of the whole of Ireland in Europe. Ireland's population, 4.5 million. There are between, you ready, in Ireland. Must be mostly down south, I think, but nevertheless. Well, we're the UK anyhow, so we'll not worry about that. This is no reason why you should shut the border. There are 40,000. 40,000 Muslims in Ireland. And that's what we know of. Listen to this. In the UK, just over 62 million of a population, there are two and a half million Muslims in Britain. In the United States of 314.5 million, there's an estimate between 5 and 9 million Muslims. They don't know how many there are. Dearborn in Michigan, a big city of Michigan, has 40,000 Arabs. And they've got the biggest mosque. There are over 1,500 mosques in the United States. Christians went recently to Dearborn in Michigan. And they stoned them out and the police turned on the Christians for saying Jesus Christ is Lord. In the United States. This is the little horn. The Antichrist of the East. He read there are three unclean spirits like frogs gathering the earth. The kings of the earth they gather for their the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I have something to tell you. Jesus is coming. The King is coming. Listen to this. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed. In other words, the word is apocalypsis. That's where we get the word apocalypse. At that time, Christ will come. He will be revealed to all the world. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, notice with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. See the word presence? It's a word prosperon in the Greek. It's a word panim in the Hebrew. You know what it means? 
very face of him. And you'll stand before his face. Are you ready? He says, when he comes, we will see him. And his presence means his face. See, when God, we're in a meeting and the Lord says, my presence is there. His presence is everywhere. It means my face is toward you. So see, next time you sense the presence of God, start to worship for he's looking at you. Here it means he'll come and we'll see his face. The glory of his power. The word glory is the word doxa. Doxa means his splendor, his brightness, his magnificence. It is the absolute, perfect, inward, and personal excellency of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we see his face, we will see his excellency. And all the nations of the earth shall mourn because of him. There's a whole lot more there, isn't there? Here is the coming of the Lord. Are you ready? See how detailed Bible prophecy is, even down to numerics, Bible numerics. You see the detail in it. The Lord says, look for this and look for that. Look for the other thing. He says, Daniel, shut it up until the time of the end. And he says, to John on the island is called Patmos. He comes to a wee man on a prison island. And he says, now is the time. The time is at hand. Time is at hand. You need to get right with God. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. Trusting in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your attention. Lord bless you. Hear a pin drop in here, couldn't you? Yeah. See, God has you. God speaking.